Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Brian, joined in the studio by Pastor Eric. Eric, today we are in, what is it, week number five as we're going through the Gospel of Mark. That brings us today to Mark chapter one, verses 21 to 28. And before we read all that, before we read those verses and jump into it, let's let's kind of talk about the theme for today, which is authority. What we're going to learn is that Jesus spoke and acted in ways that demonstrated his absolute authority to dictate what we think and how we live. And I think a good question to start with before we look at any of this and allow God to speak to us through it is how do you respond to authority figures? So if you're a listener out there, I want you to really think about that question. How do you respond to authority figures? And really, I guess the associated question, Eric, is who has real authority in your life? Now, Eric, how, how do you think a young person would answer a question like that? Because young people are the ones that kind of have an issue with authority a lot of times, right? Yeah, and I'm not sure that I qualify as young anymore because I'm 38, but I, I can certainly, as a, you know, at the higher end of the spectrum of a millennial, um, relate to uh, not really having a great um, desire to respect or or even have a great concept of how to follow authority. Uh, I think that, that younger people in, our, in this generation that we live in definitely don't like to submit to authority. They, they want to be the authorities of their own lives. And, and there's so much information out there, so many influencers out there, so many creators out there in the world now that uh, people want to be so independent and they think that they're just, you know, learning as they go, letting these influencers speak into their lives. But even though a young person or a person in general doesn't think they're really submitting to or or putting themselves under the authority of someone, the more influence a person or a creator or a a star or an influencer has in your life, um, really that authority starts um, playing out in, in a person's life. People are really submitting to the teachings of people that they follow, uh, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I want a young person to think about who do you listen to, who do you follow, you know, who's that hip, you know, artist or influencer that, that you love to hear from. You probably don't think of that person as an authority figure in your life. You, when you think of an authority figure, Eric, I'm thinking about my kids. When they think of an authority figure, they probably think about a, their teacher or, or a judge or a cop or you know, someone with a robe and a gavel. That, but that's not the only kind of authority figure. I think when you broaden it out and say, the, the person who has authority in my life is the person that I listen to. That's, that's who has authority. I get to choose who has authority in my life. I get to decide who I want to listen to. We, we live in a free country, so we all get to decide who, who to listen to. I thank God for that, that we get to choose. And so young people, as you listen to this, I want you to consider that. I want you to close your eyes, not if you're driving, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about who, who is it that you really give that authority to? Who is it that you pay attention to? That's your authority figure. Now, Eric, we shouldn't just talk to young people because I think there's a whole different group of people, young and old, when that when they think of authority, 
they might be thinking about a re religious authority. We, we should address that because there is, we're going to see some of that in this passage, obviously, because Jesus is going to be doing some stuff in the synagogue, which was the place of worship for Jewish people back in his day. So so what about what about someone who maybe grew up in a cult or someone who grew up in a church that was that maybe had some unhealthy spiritual authority, which there's a lot of that out there. Like what I guess what what should those people get ready for today as we get into the lesson? Yeah, you're right. We're not completely in a post faith, post God world. I think the majority we could probably still say that the majority of the world believes in in a god or gods or or some kind of supernatural being which they would automatically make an authority in their life and so there are so many religions in the world and and so many you know quote unquote spiritual leaders and authorities um and there's a lot of false teaching and authority. It's more like a self-proclaimed or a passed down authority that's that really shouldn't be given any um, time and attention in people's lives anyway. But what's happened is, is people have grown up in certain phase or ways of believing. And so they just naturally look at the people that get up in their church on Sundays or or you know, if they're watching TVs or live streams, um, and and believe because of a position that they have inside of a church or a faith organization that they have authority, but really authority we're going to see is given by God and 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 no one else, and that's really the authority that we're looking at today is the authority of Jesus. All right, so let's jump into the text for today. And, and then let's spend a little bit more time applying it to our lives. It comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. I'm going to give it a read. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the religious teachers of the law. And suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders, and the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. So, Eric, we're going to talk today about a little bit about evil spirits. We're going to talk a little bit about the synagogue and the Jewish culture. But really what we're talking about is the authority that Jesus has in two main areas of our lives. And I want everyone to think about this. Number one, Jesus has authority in terms of how we think. He has authority over us because of his teaching. Verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So Jesus, we should probably catch people up who are maybe new to this. Jesus wasn't seminary trained. Jesus wasn't trained like the Pharisees were. Jesus was a guy for the first 30 or so years of his life. 
he was just a carpenter's son, right? Probably a carpenter making chairs and tables and, well, maybe not chairs. I don't know if they had chairs back then, but tables and woodwork. And then all of a sudden at 30 years old, he starts his ministry. We looked at this last week. And now all of a sudden he's in a synagogue, this uneducated guy from the vantage point of the Pharisees, this uneducated guy, but his teaching has real authority. Yeah, it's interesting that he's able to go around and speak in synagogues in the first place because you had to be seen or, or known as someone who knew something or was an authority on God's Word, the, the Old Testament at the time. And so we don't know. The, the Scripture doesn't really actually share with us why or how Jesus had a connection to go and speak at at their church, right? Like at our church, we don't just let anybody jump up and speak. And so, so talk must have been happening. And, and as he had started his ministry, uh, especially around his own hometown, things are going on and he's already actually performed a miracle or two. And so I think people are wanting to hear his message. They're, they're like, they're skeptical yet willing and so Jesus gets this opportunity to get up and and speak, and he speaks in such a way that's different from what these people are used to. And so maybe you go to a church or you've been, you know, a part of a faith organization where, um, you know, it's been just going through the motions, the same old routine. That's what's going on in the synagogues at the time. You know, for hundreds of years, you know, it's just a guy getting up, maybe reading from a scroll, monotone voice. Jesus gets up and he's got this power and this this passion about the message. They 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 feel his power through his teaching somehow. Now I don't want us to get um confused about that because there are many people in the world that are great speakers and and maybe even great teachers and it's not just loudness and passion alone that should give a person authority. Later, we'll see that Jesus' authority is proved by, you know, his power and his and his actions, but yet he has this authority um, that's given to him, um, and he, he, he alludes to that, that we've already seen that he's the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark has been trying to show us that. Jesus it's believed that, you know, when Jesus jumps up, he says, he, he quotes Isaiah and says, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, I've been sent to bring good news to the poor, to, to set people free, set captives free, and to restore this, the sight to the blind. And so he's kind of getting up and just declaring his authority. Um, and his authority isn't some self-proclaimed authority that many religious teachers have today or or people have today but it it really comes from God himself right yeah I, I think it, it comes from at least three things when you think about Jesus and we've got more resources on this if you want to learn about Jesus who he was and what he was all about uh, just scroll down online at pursuegod.org and and you can find more on him but but at least for now let's talk about these three things where his authority comes from it does because like you said it doesn't just come from his passion or his skill at speaking in fact we don't even have in mark we don't even know what he said it just says here that he that the people said he taught with real authority but it didn't even, it, this section doesn't even tell us what he taught you know we mentioned this earlier in the series that the gospel of mark is the action gospel 
It has the fewest teachings of Jesus out of all four Gospels. So we don't even get to the teaching, because I don't think that's Mark's point. Mark's point isn't mm -hmm. what Jesus is teaching. Mark's point is that Jesus taught with authority, and that authority comes from at least three places. Number one, his authority comes from his creation power, right? That Jesus actually, before he was even born into humanity, that the second person of the Trinity, that's who Jesus is, that he made everything that existed, that Jesus was, was at, was exists exists outside of time and he it was by his power that the world was created so i mean if you want to know how something works the most authoritative voice is the creator of that thing and so as jesus gets up in the synagogue and starts speaking probably i mean i would guess he's speaking about life and maybe family who knows what he's what topic he's speaking on whatever it is it doesn't even matter because jesus is the creator of people not just the world, but people, so he knows how it works. So therefore, he's the, he's the most authoritative voice on any subject when he stands yeah, up and speaks. John, you know, the Apostle John calls him the Word. He's the, the Word of God who existed with God in eternity past. And if we think about creation, how did God create the world? He spoke it into existence with his Word, and so the Word... <laughs> himself, who's made flesh, um, ought to be listened to. Him being the Word of God alone carries authority. Yeah, so, so that's one source of his authority. The other, another source of the authority of Jesus is his, the fancy word for this is omniscience, his perfect knowledge that Jesus knows all things. And think about it, it, you know, if you're gonna, if you want to go uh, figure out how to fix a, fix your bathroom, fix your toilet, right? What are you gonna do? You're gonna go on YouTube, and you're gonna watch a, you're gonna watch a video on YouTube. Probably, I know what I would do, Eric, is I would want to watch one from a plumber who's done this <laughs> a thousand times because I know he, he knows what he's doing. If I were to make a video on how to fix or install a toilet. I wouldn't recommend that you would watch that video because I'm still trying to work the thing out. I'm still trying to figure it out. Jesus has perfect knowledge. He's omniscient. And so again, his authority is so much better than the authority of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they've been studying stuff in school, sure, but they don't know all things the way Jesus does. So his authority comes from, I mean, that's obvious. It comes from his perfect mm -hmm. knowledge. Yeah. And then maybe one other one then is his moral perfection. Um, he is the decider of what's right and wrong. He is holy God himself. And so for someone to get up and speak truth, later we hear that Jesus calls him, I am himself. He says, I am the truth, the way, truth, and life. And so Jesus is the truth. What he says um, is right and wrong. Um, you don't um, ask a thief if it's it's right or wrong to steal because he's not morally perfect. He's immoral, right? But if 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 God is all uh, perfect and 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 moral and holy, and we're coming to find out what is the truth, then to get it straight from the truth teller, the one who knows right and wrong, Jesus is the one who's come to stand in the synagogue and say, okay, maybe you guys have some things right, maybe you guys have some things wrong, and, and here I am to tell you because I am the author of 
morality and truth. Okay, so Jesus, so what we're learning here is that Jesus has authority, right? Jesus Jesus really gets the, I don't know, we could say the final say on mm-hmm. how we think, right? He What we see him doing here in verses 21 and 22 is he's cutting through endless debates by defining what is true or false, by defining what is right and wrong. Jesus is the one ultimately who gets to do that. He gets to define what's true or false. He gets to define what's right or wrong. You know, one of our values at church, it's our first core value, right, Eric, is that we look to God and his word in everything we do. That's important. That's so important as we we made that first, because we, we want to declare to ourselves, to our kids, to our small groups, to our attenders, to the visitors who come to our church, we want to say to them, look, more than my opinion, more than your opinion, because we're all going to have different opinions on stuff, more than any of that, we believe, we are saying, we're declaring that Jesus gets the final word, that God's word gets to tell us how we should think, right? Because how how you think is important. So Jesus gets the final word on how we think. Jesus has, let's call that teaching authority. Jesus gets teaching authority in our lives. So let's go back to what we talked about at the beginning here. As, as, you're, as people are listening to this, I want you to think, who who has that kind of authority in your life? Who 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 has teaching authority in your life? Remember, it might not be you might say on the surface of it, you might say, well, I go to church so my pastor has teaching authority or I read the Bible so the Bible has authority in my life. You might say that stuff, but but is that really true? Who are you really listening to? Who are you really allowing to have that influence in your life. Because Eric, I think we've seen it. It's, it feels like it's getting worse and worse with every passing year, but it's just so many people, so many people are so easily fooled into believing stuff that this culture is telling us. And then, and so now they're, they're weighing what this culture is telling us because of a politician or a, or a musician or an actor, mm. or someone who has no authority. They didn't create the world. They don't have perfect knowledge. They don't have moral perfection. And yet they're the ones that really are influencing people young and old. The problem is, is that our world has now, you know, put people on a pedestal or or given success to uh, people that that seem to be powerful or passionate or seem to know what they're talking about. Uh, people that have a, a little bit of money or have... have have uh, you know hit the lottery uh, or, or worked hard even and 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 in their own way had success in their life and and we seem to prop people up on a pedestal and we give them authority because we think that they've done the right things that you know but that doesn't necessarily make them make them an authority on spiritual truth morality all that type of stuff I mean there are people out there that you could call authorities of things, right? Like you would say, you know, if you want to figure out how to, how to diet, you know, and how to get back into health, you know, you would, you would look at certain people, certain influencers that are, that are, you know, fitness professionals and you'd say, yeah, they're the authority on, on how to work out. They're the, the authority on, you know, dieting and, and exercise, but they're not, but sometimes you know, all that stuff gets melded together, and then these people will tell us their opinions about 
morality and life and faith. And because they have influence in a certain area, we think they're all, because they have some success in a certain area of their life, we, we tend to think that they have all authority or, or some kind of great insight into things that they're not qualified to even be talking about. We see this all the time. You know, we look at Hollywood movie stars and, you know, when they get up and make speeches and say things about what they believe or, or we try to find out what they believe. And, and for some odd reason, you know, I think our culture takes cues from those types of people versus really trying to find out real truth, you know, from, from Jesus through his word. And I also yeah. think that, I also think that it's, it's great, you know, when it comes to religious, um, influence and authority and there's so much lie so many lies out there it's great that we do have the word of god to compare and to test people um because there's so many people that are self-proclaimed authorities but yet like you said our number one value is that we we look to god and in his word and all that we do and so for the christian church the ultimate authority is is god himself but through his word has he communicated you know what's right and wrong and what what's truth and and what isn't and so we can use that to weigh against you know the worldly influencers in our lives and certainly the the spiritual authorities in our lives as well okay so but we need to move on to a second thing because it's not just who you listen to it's not just the teaching you listen to and again you might not think of it as teaching when your favorite actor or musician or athlete speaks up, <clears throat> but it is teaching. <laughs> Whatever they're saying, if they're trying to say something about, I don't know, abortion or gender fluidity or whatever, you name it, something in today's culture and you're trying to make sense of it, it's not just who you listen to, it's also what you act upon. Authority, it might start with ideas and teaching, but it ends with action. It ends with how we live. So just like Jesus shows his authority over our thinking in this passage, he also shows his authority over, our, over our, how we live, our living. Verse 23 and 24, okay. So for it, verses 21 and 22 talk about that he taught with real authority, and then it moves in and it says this, suddenly a man in the synagogue, so now we're going to apply this, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then the passage goes on to say that Jesus reprimanded him. He said, be quiet, come out of the man. And at that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Now, it's interesting. We're, let's talk for a little bit about demon possession. Let's get into the weeds on this for a little bit. But Eric, let's not forget that what we're talking about here isn't just something that is applied to someone possessed by demons. Because our listeners might say, okay, I can tune this part out because I'm not possessed by a demon. And my answer to that is no, don't tune out. Because what we're in the broadest terms, what we're talking about here is being obedient to Jesus with our actions. And the demon, this is crazy, the demon had to obey. That's the kind of authority that Jesus has in the universe. 
this is interesting in the story why why Mark includes this, and I think part of it again is to reveal uh, the type of authority that Jesus has, uh, because there is an unseen spiritual world um, apart from the physical world. Uh, there is there is something, you know, uh, a place where where God created. Um, and dwelt before he created the heavens and the earth, God dwelt and, and God is spirit. And therefore we know that God created angels. Um, and some of them fell and those fallen angels who followed Satan, uh, were cast out of heaven, but they're still spiritual beings that have influence over the world. And at this time, um, when Jesus is stepping on the scene and starting his ministry, the world is, has really been, um, controlled by Satan and the influence of these demonic beings, and they're oppressing God's people, and it's really their their playground. You've heard it called the devil's playground, right? And it's really they're they're the ones that are in influence, and they're the ones that are tricking people and deceiving people, and that's that's Satan Satan's plan this entire time. And so, don't think that you know you have nothing to do with the spiritual realm. The, the very existence of the world and humanity um, is not just a physical one, but a spiritual one. And so we see in this story that there's a man who is being and has been oppressed by a demon uh, for however long. We don't know, you know, why this is. We don't know if this guy... Um, you know, allowed some influences in his life that opened the door to demonic possession or demonization. But I, I think that's something that we should we should talk about for a second is um, how we live um, affects our spiritual condition. And so human beings can open the door by what kinds of influences they allow into their lives. We've talked about this before in a in another series on spiritual warfare on pursue God, but. But this is what's really going on. This is a, a spiritual warfare of a man somehow is allowed or has been oppressed by uh, demonic possession, and Jesus steps on the scene, and as he's starting his ministry, um, he gets up, he he preaches a powerful message, and then not only just through his preaching, but through his his actions, he demonstrates his power by by casting out this demon out of this guy. And what's interesting about this is, as you said, the demon has to obey. Why? Because demons were angels who were in the very presence of God. They knew who this was. They said, you are the son of the most high. Are you coming to, to, to stop us? Are you coming to destroy us? They knew exactly who Jesus was. And so they had to obey. And that's really you know, the application for us is, you know, one is, you know, what are we allowing into our lives and what kind of influence are we allowing and what kind of evil can, can, can come out of that in our own lives? And the second thing is, is we take an example from the demon himself itself and say, wow, this, this guy know who's, who Jesus is. And even though he doesn't want to obey because he's an evil spirit, he does. He has to because he knows the authority of Jesus. He's God Himself walking on earth. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I 
I didn't think about this until just now, but the demon really represents influence in this guy's life. Mm. So again, go back to young people thinking about this. Who influences you? Who are you listening to? Now, I don't know how this started for this guy, but I do know this, that, 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 and we talk about this in that spiritual warfare series, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but you know, that, that when we give the enemy a foothold in our lives, that eventually it leads to a stronghold. And, and I think some young people listen, well, young and old, I keep talking to young people, but it's really all of us. I think we can all give the enemy a foothold by who we listen to. And the more we listen to them, eventually it, it, it turned, that foothold turns into a stronghold. And now they have, they're exercising real controlling authority over us, like, mm. like what says, what's called possession, demon possession. Demon possession just simply means like this guy didn't really have control anymore because he had let this demon influence him for so long, but it didn't start off with demon possession, but it turned into that. So see what happens is, again, if you let someone have teaching authority in your life, and again, that sounds like a real churchy word. I'm just saying, if you listen to someone, the longer you listen to someone who has no real truth or authority, the longer you listen to that person, the more you're letting that, that falsehood get its hooks in you, and pretty soon you are possessed, <laughs> maybe not by mm -hmm. a demon, but you're possessed by that influence that is that you wouldn't call demonic, but it's not godly. And so mm -hmm. the, really this, this guy possessed by a demon is an example. It's an example of, a, of all of us when we allow something to really control us, some kind of thinking or worldview control us. And the second thing, Erica, this is so interesting. You're, you had pointed this out before we started recording this, that this guy, this guy, how long had this guy been going to the synagogue? This demon-possessed guy had been going to the synagogue. But the, the demon never, never called out any of the Pharisees or teachers of the law because mm -hmm. those Pharisees and teachers of the law weren't probably, presumably weren't, a, number one, even speaking truth, but number two, they weren't speaking it with real authority because they had so jumbled up the truth that Jesus a lot of times had to call them out on the stuff that they were teaching. So look, here's what happens is when... When someone starts speaking the truth, the real truth in your life, Jesus does it here, but we can do it today in the name of Jesus. When someone starts speaking the real truth, then what ends up happening is the lies get exposed, the demons are called out, and, and we see what happens here in the story. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, what you were saying was was definitely true, that that you know, demon possession or demon demonization or evil influence comes in all kinds of different ways. And, and the preaching at the synagogue wasn't powerful enough to, to even exercise this demon or to cause anything. Again, they were just going through the motions at the time. Jesus steps on the scene and says, I've come to take over the earth. I'm establishing my kingdom. This was the devil's playground, but here I am coming to take authority. You know, Jesus steps up, preaches. There's an episode that happens because of the power of his preaching. And, and, and so Jesus says, no, 
you got to be gone. Get out of this, man. Right. And and so that really brings us back to to our point is that that Jesus's um, authority really has the final say in in how we ought to live. Um, we we ought to be you know maybe take take example from this this de- this demon um and say well he had a truth um that a lot of us don't have which is and i keep saying he but it's really an it um mm. it didn't it had this knowledge of of the real authority of jesus you know james actually says you know the 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 demons believe that god is one and they shudder and so so demons actually had faith they they know they have a a knowledge a confidence of who god is but but just knowing who god is and knowing his authority isn't enough it's will we submit to his authority will we obey will we uh live our lives in such a way that he is the authority in our lives and and it plays out by you know what we say is we we live a life that honors god as Christians. And so really Jesus's authority in our lives ought to affect how we live, how we submit to Jesus's commands and his teachings. And so let's finish. Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish here. Verses 27 and 28. It says, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What, here it is again, what sort of new teaching is this? Remember it started with teaching but the teaching impacted what actually happened, right? It, what new sort of teaching is this, they asked? It has such authority that even evil spirits obey his orders. So, right, we see these two kinds of authority. Number one, his authority to teach, and number two, his authority to command. And they're connected, right? His authority to teach or, or his, his say on how we think is another way to say that. And then his authority to command, and another way to say that is his say on how we live. So Jesus has this kind, he should, for anyone who's out there who's listening to this, who's a Christian, and this is kind of what we're trying to say, is who gets the final word in your life? Like really ask that question. Really evaluate who are you allowing to influence you? Who is the teacher? Who's the real teaching that you're listening to? Because so many Christians today say that they are Christians and they don't at all follow the teachings of the Bible. They don't at all submit themselves to the authority of Jesus. Paul said it to Timothy, says that God's word should have this kind of authority to change, to influence the way, the way we think, you know, to correct us when we're wrong, all kinds of stuff. But so many Christians today have just thrown that out. They'll pick and choose what they like from God's teaching, but so Jesus doesn't get really get that final say in so many people's lives in terms of teaching, and then what that does is it influences, naturally, how they live. And that's why so many Christians don't look any different, so many quote-unquote Christians don't look any different than the world because they're actually listening to everyone that the world listens to. So who gets the final word in your life? Is it Jesus? Or is it really the athlete, the musician, the actor, whatever, the politician that has the loudest voice for whatever reason, the one that you like, for whatever reason? The evil spirits didn't have a choice. Jesus spoke, it obeyed. 
Mm-hmm. And if if when we blow off what Jesus said, what Jesus says, it's so ironic, isn't it, Eric, that the evil spirit begrudgingly had to obey, but at least for right now, we don't have to obey. We have free will, like the demon didn't, and we can say, no, I'm going to blow off what you say, Jesus. I'm not going to obey your command. I'm not like going to let you tell me how to live. I want to tell myself how to live. And that just introduces chaos. That, that does two things. Yeah. First, it introduces chaos and loss into your life. Yeah, even though we don't um, necessarily have to obey Jesus in the moment, um, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences that happen as a result of us not listening and not following Jesus' commands, not looking into the Bible and trying to live live out the, the commands that he left for us the way that Christians ought to live. And so you th- I always say it like this, you know, with people and, and God's word, you know, with, with God's word and, and Jesus, you know, being, being you know, God himself, um, is, it's, not, it's not just Jesus's teachings that are Jesus' word, but it's the whole Bible that is Jesus's word. And so if, if God created us, um, if, if Jesus spoke everything to existence and, and through him everything that was made was made through him, then he knows how we ought to live and how, how to live uh, in such a way that, that we can experience joy and, and an abundant life. And so when we don't follow his word, we, there's all these consequences, right? Like if something's... Um, if we want to figure out how to use something properly, we go back to the manual to to work it, right? To We go back to the manual of the creator, of the maker, of whatever piece of equipment we're going to use to see how to use it, how to maintain it properly, um, and, and how to fix it if it's broken. And that's really the same thing. If we're going to just live our lives however we want, shrug off the teachings of Jesus, shrug off the word of God and say, I'm going to live however I I feel like living. I'm going to do what feels best to me and whatever makes me happy and disregard Jesus's words, then then there are consequences to that. You know, an example is, is, you know, maybe, um, you know, having, having sex outside of marriage, right? And, and then we end up having, having children outside of marriage, and then it creates all this complication of, of, of problems, not just for you or, or, or the person you're involved with, but now the child's life is going to be affected. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, you know, saying that that, if that's you, that, that, uh, God can't change that or, or fix that. Certainly God, you know, can work through all of our sinful mistakes because really the reality is, is all humanity has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We, we can't on our own obey God and follow his teachings, but yet Christians have been given the power through the Holy Spirit to have conviction in their life and to follow Jesus. And so we do have a choice in the matter, whether we'll go his way or whether we'll go our way. And if we go our way, there will be consequences that that don't just hurt us, but hurt other people as well. Yeah, I want to make that really clear for listeners, because they might be surprised to hear this. You have a choice in this life. You can blow off Jesus's teaching. You can reject his authority. You have that choice. It's crazy. The demon didn't. 
but you have that choice. You have the ability to reject Jesus in this life. But as we say in our family resources, you you can make your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. Mm. You can make your choices. You have the freedom to make. That's I think the biggest uh, the biggest misconception that young people have. They just feel like they just do what you want. You do whatever you want, and and that's true. You but that's only half of the truth. You can do whatever you want. You have free will, but you do not have, you don't have authority over the consequences of your choices. Jesus has authority over that. So Mm -hmm. you're going to introduce chaos and loss in your life now, but that's only half of it. The other half of it is you put your eternal destiny in jeopardy. You, 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 when you reject Christ's authority in your life, if you, if you ultimately reject Christ's authority in your life. It's not just the temporary consequences in this, on this in this world that you have to deal with. It's eternal consequences. You choose who has authority for now. For now. But the day will come when everyone is going to submit to the only real authority in the universe. Kind of like what we saw in this picture with the demon. He had to submit and come out of that man because Jesus said so. There's going to come a day when every single one of us is going to realize that all along there's only been one real authority in the universe, even though in this life we can make our decisions about who we're going to listen to and who we're going to obey. Philippians 2, 9, and 11, 9 through 11 says this, Therefore God has elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So think about your the names on your list of influencers. <laughs> athletes, musicians, politicians, writers, great thinkers, whatever, there's a name that should be above all of those names of influencers, and that name is Jesus. And it says there that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what this verse is saying is there's coming a day when everyone is going to realize that Jesus is the ultimate authority. There's coming a day when everyone is going to be forced to submit to his authority. And our challenge to you today is to say, don't wait until it's too late. If you submit to the authority of Jesus now, here on earth, then that verse is not scary to you. You know, Eric, you and I have submitted to the authority. That doesn't mean we've perfectly submitted. That doesn't mean we don't make mistakes or we don't sometimes disobey. But it, what it does mean is that we have in our hearts and in our minds, we have said, Jesus, you are the authority. You are my influencer. You're the one that gets to say how I should think and how I should live. I love uh, Matthew 28. We talk about it all the time, the Great Commission. Um, we also like it, to call it his great commandment as well. You know, uh, it's a command to go make disciples, but I love what he says. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Jesus says this before, you know, he he dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, and then he ascends to heaven, and it's like the last thing he tells his disciples. He says, I've been given all authority, kind of what Philippians said to us as well. But then he says, go make disciples and teach them to obey all the commands I have given you. Um, and that is really 
what we're trying to do. That's that's our job as as pastors and leaders and family members, you know, parents uh, or just people who have influence in other people's lives. We should be the influencers uh, in this generation for Jesus with the authority of Jesus, because he says, I, I will be with you always. We have his authority now to influence people for what is true, to obey the commands of Jesus. He should have the final say in our lives. And and if you're, if you're not a believer here today, or if you know people who aren't, um, this ought to be something to help convince them that there's a decision that they have to make with um, Jesus stepping on the scene 2,000 years ago and dying on the cross. I mean, Mark wrote this down so that we would know who Jesus is and what he came to do. So what are you going to do with Jesus? Will you follow him? Will you submit to his teachings? Will you submit to his power? One day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess, but we can trust in him before it's too late. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. I encourage you to read it for yourself. And then find resources. This is lesson five in our Mark series at pursuegod.org forward slash Mark. Find resources there, discussion questions, so that you can talk about it with a family, with a small group, or one-on-one with a mentor. And then make sure to join us next time as we continue to study the gospel of Mark. Mark.